welcome to our first podcast of the new year 2021. This is Talking Tropes with a special TARDIS Tropes, uh, Doctor Who New Year's special. I'm Hannah. I'm David. And we've got a special guest back with us. Welcome, Victor. I'm Victor. Yeah, quickly quickly becoming one of our, our favorite companions uh, for our, our Doctor Who recaps. Um, <laughs> we, we just watched uh, Revolution of the Daleks, um, or the, the New Year's special, um, and the first episode, I guess, of, of season 13. Uh, what did you guys think in general? Not the worst thing Chris Chibnall's ever written. Definitely not. In fact, the best thing Chris Chibnall's ever written is my take. <laughs> Easily. I don't, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think... It's, the, it's definitely his best credit where he's the sole writer on it but I, I really liked you know the the, the Jadoon episode um, I thought that had something going for it and then uh, you know he, he co-wrote some other ones that I thought were fine yeah Jadoon is fun <laughs> but I, I think that there is like some some workable stuff in here and yeah. it's it's you know not the worst Dalek episode either no. one of the best Dalek episodes I'm, a, I'm gonna defend <laughs> this episode guys <laughs> Um, but, uh, I, I think a lot of the, the, like, Twitter buzz is basically that it, it, it derives a lot of stuff from Victory of the Daleks, the season five episode, mm-hmm. which I think is just a total positive because that happens to be my favorite Dalek episode. Yeah, yeah. I know it's not a very popular episode, but I don't, I don't know why. Uh, so I'm glad that this one is taking some cues from there. Uh, but it's also got its own identity, uh, in a lot of ways. So let's, uh, let's just jump right into a recap, right? Yeah. How do we kick things off, David? <laughs> With a Star Wars title drop thing <laughs> long ago, far, far away. Oh, but it's actually a long time ago. It was 2019 and far away is uh, Cheltenham, wherever <laughs> they are. But I thought it was, it was cute. It was like something that actually made me smile. Like Yeah, yeah. They're still using that like impact bold font. Yeah. That looks like, uh, looks like they're doing a lol cat. <laughs> Yeah, it's just it's just a touch campy, but Doctor Who's always been campy. So. It's true. Right, no, it's not the campiness. It's just like it's such a common font uh, that it's like y- you don't expect to see it on Doctor Who. Um, so we're going back to Resolution, which did you, do you guys still remember this episode? It's been little bit. <laughs> it's been two years. Yeah, <laughs> I remembered so little. I like even forgot most of what had happened in the Timeless Child and had to be like, wait, yeah. why is the Doctor like angsty? <laughs> I, I had forgot. That uh, that you know cliffhanger was that she got arrested. I thought they were going to introduce the arrest in this episode, and then I was like, oh wait, yeah, that was that was the season finale. <laughs> yeah, I totally forgot. It's been a minute. So to recap, for those of you guys who forgot, in two years ago, in the <laughs> New Year's special resolution, uh, there was a Dalek that was stranded on Earth. It was woken up by a black light. It uh, took control of a human host and then went to go contact some space Daleks. But then uh, <laughs> Ryan's dad had a special micro that they used to melt steel and then they teleported the Dalek inside into the sun. Uh, so that that happened. And then uh, a year later, or more than a year later, uh, for the uh, season 12 finale, uh, the Doctor had just found out that she is the timeless child, that she has had her memory wiped at some point. Uh, then she ostensibly kills the Master and a bunch of cyber uh, time lords using a death particle. Um <laughs> 
Go figure. And then she leaves, jumps into a different TARDIS, leaves that TARDIS on a random planet disguised as a tree, and then gets in her TARDIS, at which point a bunch of Jadoon just teleport on and say, you're under arrest for all the crimes. Yeah. You're going to prison for life. And then she's in an asteroid with bars uh, <laughs> over a window that's literally just leading out into the vacuum of space. Um, and that's where we left it last time. <laughs> and that's kind of where we pick up. To be honest, the entire time I was watching the episode, I didn't know whether they actually directly led into it or whether we were just to assume that she got arrested after the events of The Timeless Child. Because I had no no memory of what David just described. Right. <laughs> it, it doesn't really feel like it happened. And also, it, they never really explain why it, it happened exactly. They, they sort of allude to the fact that because of the events of Fugitive of the Jadoon, uh, the, encountering the Jadoon as both the Doctor and Doctor Ruth, um, you know, the the old Doctor who we don't have a number for, yeah. um, that somehow led them to finding her in that TARDIS and getting arrested. But there's no explanation of, like, how they were able to find her but not find any of the previous generation. You know, it's literally been possibly an infinite number of, of regenerations since Dr. Ruth was a fugitive. So why are they just finding her now? It, it could be, right, that Dr. Ruth is, like, a known, like, threat to the Jadun, like a terrorist or whatever that, that's actively being hunted by the Jadun. Yeah. But they don't know that that's the Doctor. And so now they've seen that, like, maybe the Doctor's not even in jail for being... No, they called her the Doctor. Oh, they do call her the Doctor? Yeah. But maybe, maybe it's just the understanding that they're the same person now. Like, just specifically 13. Right. Maybe, yeah, maybe they didn't connect the idea as, like, oh, this Doctor is in, like, the Time Lord CIA. And this doctor is just like a random different person named the doctor who also has a TARDIS. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. Regardless, we're, we don't really get an explanation for that. Uh, we're just, we're there. Uh, but there's also, there's some stuff that happened in the past that we didn't hear about. Uh, so you want to explain what happened to that Dalek shell, Victor? Oh, so like this is the thing that actually makes the episode good, in my opinion. Okay. <laughs> which is the actual premise is the one of like the best political Dalek episodes that's been made. Uh, and that that's that <laughs> basically what happens is that like the capitalist played by like this ex Donald Trump guy and like uh, this like ambitious politician uh, team up and they're like, well, look, the world's getting fucked. Like there's all this social unrest. So we have to embrace a little bit of authoritarianism. We have to make these giant Dalek robot gears. And so it's like, look, it's fascism under a new name. But then of course it takes off its mask halfway through and it's like real fascism. And I, I won't get into spoilers, but that is a, is a great political metaphor for what's actually about to happen. And the fact that Chris Chibnall, the guy who has like the Amazon is good and you should never fight back episode, has that as his premise for a Dalek episode is legitimately interesting and taking like the Dalek Nazi metaphor in a new direction that's actually relevant to the modern political context. Right. I mean, I think that reading is totally fair. I yeah. don't I don't know how much of it was intentional and how much of it was I think it was pretty a, intentional. A product of the premise. The scene, the scene where they're seeing the riot gear, like that scene is fucking great. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, clearly, like, the, the premise is, what if, um, you know, the, the government used Dalek technology to build defense drones to stop protesters, to create, like, this law and order, somewhat authoritarian, and then and it's kind of neutered, like you were saying, because they have replaced the lasers with, like, uh, a water cannon. But they still have, like, sonic detonators, you know, that blast out people's eardrums. Well, a, so a sonic dispersal uh, mechanism, yeah. which is something that, that, that cops use right now, like, today. But, yeah, yeah. 
that, that, that's part of what makes it so brilliant is that like it doesn't go straight to killing the people but it's about like how they're willing to tacitly embrace fascism like this this authoritarian thing and sure it's just initially riot gear but then we see you know not to give anything away but it escalates <laughs> right now I, I think that the the actual connective tissue between resolution and revolution is a little weak um they yeah. basically they establish that like somehow Jack Robertson knew about this thing but they don't really explain how she tipped him off the prime minister lady oh, right, yeah, right no yeah uh but 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 they don't really explain like why why does the government like coming to pick up this Dalek shell in the first place I don't know unit question mark yeah. they just well it wasn't unit because unit was shut down but the they like send a truck yeah. to like pick it up and like I don't know take it to like a dump <laughs> and then um and then there's like a murderer in a food truck yeah, yeah. it's like how did you know he was gonna stop there to get tea like how does <laughs> maybe he always stops there to get tea but then how did he not recognize that it's not the same lady I don't know I mean it's just a weird maybe it was the same lady maybe this is a long term sting this is a long con <laughs> or maybe they paid her off or maybe she didn't know it was poisoned I, or no she did because she she does because she takes it yeah. Yeah. then dragged the body off the road <laughs> um, but in any case they get this Dalek and they automatically know what its practical application will be that it's to to use as a as a murderous robot uh, attack <clears throat> so we've got we've got the return of Jack Robertson uh, from Spiders and he's definitely better used he's here so much yeah. better. than in Spiders sure. but I still feel like he isn't a very good commentary on Donald Trump specifically no. I think I think you're right Victor that he's a better commentary on like capital in general I'd agree. yeah which is specifically mentioned that like he no longer has like these political ambitions at the beginning so I I, I think well that but then we come back around to it at the end we get, yeah we, we come back to it at the end but I mean I do think that he does operate more as like not just a Trump allegory but more of a capitalist like an ambitious power player kind of guy right right and somebody who's colluding with the technology secretary which i i don't know is that a real position in uh in parliament Probably. i think they say they just created it or something right so I, i'm guessing it's fictional so that they don't come across as like we're saying this about a specific politician and then they get sued but that's that's fine uh so that's that's the introdu- introduction of joe patterson uh who is the this future prime minister candidate uh who in order to establish herself as the law and order candidate is going to create these drones uh, with Jack Robertson's company. At no cost to the taxpayer, David. Oh, because <laughs> it's a, it's, we're, we're just trying them out. It's a test run. It's yeah. a public-private partnership. Yeah, I'm, I mean, those things definitely happen. Uh, and then we have the introduction of Leo Ragazzi, who is like Jack Robertson's protege slash they bought up his startup and he's like a genius. Uh, so then they, they go to like a, a role play of a civil unrest. So they like hired a bunch of actors to like get sprayed with water cannons. Yeah. To LARP. <laughs> I don't know how that works. They probably could have just used it as, you know, a, uh, you know, they could have just, they could have probably just had an actual riot and demonstrated it there. But I guess the idea is that then it would get out, yeah. but it gets out anyway. So what's the point? But it's still <laughs> secret and proprietary. So you hire a bunch of actors with NDAs who are desperate for money and they're willing to get shot with water cannons and it's fine. Right. Now, I mean, there are some like lines in here that I like kind of raised my eyebrow at which was like it's the security equivalent of the iphone oh my god and i'm like in what way 
<laughs> what does that mean? In that it's really overpriced, like I mean, and it's really it's really dumb. But I think what they mean is just that it's going to come and revolutionize like all security going forward, like the security yeah, drone. Right. I I get what it means, but it's just like I, it was just like an eyebrow raise. Listen, the dialogue here is not great. Yeah, like it's still clearly Chris Chibnall dialogue. Yeah, I mean it's still Chris Chibnall, but I have like I'm just saying for Chris Chibnall, this was an interesting. Like it kept my attention. Yeah, it had a interest. Like it had things that I actually could think about like both like conflicts for the characters and like political and like messaging for me I think that was the strongest element of of this um this special was the fact that there was actual like interesting character dynamics to deal with and that like they were actually talking to each other and having conversations and that like the doctor was involved in those conversations and it wasn't just the companions like gossiping about the doctor behind her back or something yeah yeah it's the doctor gets like a sit down with with Yaz and then a sit down with Ryan yeah. on two different occasions. Not really with Graham so much, yeah. but uh, she's had other awkward conversations with Graham about his cancer and whatnot. <laughs> uh, so, uh, what? So, what has the doctor been up to while in in prison? Just saying hello to old fan favorite question mark question mark question mark uh, villains like the Weeping Angels. Yeah, the Pating. Everybody loved the pating, you know? Everybody loves the pating. Yeah, so it's weird to, like, arrest a pating where it doesn't, it's not really intelligent. It's just, like, a mindless eating machine. (laughs) You know what you did. You're under arrest for the crime of eating a spaceship. Yeah. And uh, also a Sycorax, and there was an Ood, and there was a Silence. I don't remember that. There was a Silence? There was a Silence. Yeah, I don't remember the Silence. She she goes up to it. Oh, I I get it. You're making a joke. (laughs) Well done. But, you know, the doctor goes up to the silence and says, I forgot you were here. <laughs> little uh little joke. I wanna die. Um and uh and someone else is locked up in there with her, but we, we don't see him until next time. But uh Jack Jack Harkness is also there in the prison. It's Jackie boy! Jack is back. <laughs> A Jack attack. And uh, you know, the doctor's not really like trying to escape yeah. or anything. We don't see any escape attempts. It's just like she's just got a routine. Yeah. You know, she gets up, she exercises. She reads Harry Potter to herself. Yeah, she reads Harry Potter to herself. Which like weird in the current climate, honestly. Yeah. But actually really unsurprising to me. I mean, <laughs> Uh, so unsurprising coming from Chris Chibnall. Because she is such a, like, oh, I'm I'm a Hermione. I would be a Ravenclaw. You know, I'm I'm the smart one. And also, you know, it's like, uh, she's the type of person who, like, talks about all politics in the form of Harry Potter. It's like, oh, you're being such a Voldemort right now. Uh, Read another book, Doctor. Yeah. <laughs> That's who she is. I think it's a great characterization. Uh... God. <laughs> uh, and then what are our companions doing? Moping. Yeah. There, there's some mopes going on. Uh, so they still have this TARDIS that they took home, which is just like a random TARDIS. And it disguises itself as a house that uh, Yaz has been living in. But not in like the living quarters, just like in a sleeping bag in the main TARDIS console room. Um, and she's just got a, you know, her, what do you call it? A conspiracy board of just random pieces of paper taped to the walls. Yeah. <laughs> Like, what could possibly be on there? But, like, I love that she's the one who's, like, trying to fix the TARDIS or something. Where, like, isn't Ryan the one who who was supposed to be like, our, I worked at a mechanic shop, so I know how to fix things, like, lad. He only ever did that, like, once. But the, but know, the, the but... real thing is that Yaz is not trying to, like, pilot the TARDIS right now.
out. She's trying to solve the mystery yeah, of like where the doctor went. Right. So that is a detective thing. That is yeah. a a cop thing. Yeah. And I like that that they're characterizing her as the more mystery oriented one because the doctor isn't actually that curious. Right. Or mystery seeking uh, in this iteration. Um. So they're very concerned about Yaz. They're like, you know, you're you're obsessed with finding the doctor. It's you miss New Year's. How oh, could you in this year, 2020? <laughs> Miss New Year's. So, like, by missing New Year's, obviously she also missed, like, Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> and yet they're more concerned that she would miss New Year's Day. Because New Year's is the superior holiday, David. Chris <laughs> Chris Chibnall, the uh, secular globalist man. Yeah. You know, trying to destroy Christmas. He is a top general in the war on Christmas. It has been confirmed. <laughs> yeah, she she's not there. She's been gone ten months. I mean... It's... Just, it's, it's the worst which is like not even that long in doctor who time yeah like matt smith doesn't see like amy and rory for like two years at a time yeah and everyone's just like fine with it you know right but it's 10 months that they i guess didn't know whether he was alive or dead which they did that back in season one season two i think it was um or maybe it was season one with uh with with rose being gone and like she would be gone for like a year and then not get back um and her family would be freaking out so I I don't know. I, I like that that's a a conflict, but it just feels like it's a very underbaked, underdeveloped conflict. But, but I, I think what it's like, it, it is underbaked, but I think what it does serve is like this interesting conflict resolution of like how different people react to it, and it gets them to realistic, like it uh, provides, I guess, somewhat plausible opening for them to reconsider like their relationship in the TARDIS team and like being in the Doctor, and that's something that's actually explored in the episode. So it, yes, it, right. even though it's definitely a little bit like rushed, I, I think the ideas are also there. Yeah. Right, well, I, I, this is my point is like so clearly they're doing something here because spoiler alert there's going to be a shake-up in the companion dynamic at the end of this episode um but they're establishing that like okay graham and ryan have gotten on with their lives they're going out and like researching this conspiracy about a dalek being used for a drone but yaz like can't let go of the doctor and so she's obsessed so that's setting up like how this episode ends right but it just it's just like i would be more interested to see like over the course of a year like what what were Graham and Ryan doing like what was their process they complain about like not having the tools that they're used to like the psychic paper or the TARDIS to be able to solve these mysteries on their own um yeah it's it's interesting though because I feel like in the past so much of like what the doctor supposedly like teaches their companions is that like you don't necessarily need fancy tools to solve these mysteries and like be a hero like you know looking back at when Donna and um, uh, 10 like reconnect yeah you know she's out there doing investigating yeah this i mean i was i was definitely making connections in my head to partners in time like yeah there you could have had a great scene where you know the the doctor comes back while they're in the middle of their investigation right and you know interrupts it and throws it off or something i mean that that could be cute i, I mean i think if you want to be generous to chibnall his companions i think he aims to make them like more grounded than like the, the standard companion so i think it makes sense that like they've been gone for 10 months they're not like saving the world yet but they're just like kind of like man it sucks that we used to save the world and now we're just kind of doing stuff here right yeah <laughs> it's interesting though b- because i think though the political overtones in this were so um just like absolutely opaque and like on the surface like i know you really liked them victor but yeah. i found them just like a little over the top and on the nose personally the so- social commentary doesn't necessarily need to be subtle this is doctor who i mean like i think it's sa- like i think the idea that like what we're seeing like there's this 
crisis that everyone's seeing of like social unrest and the politicians and the corp and like the and the capitalists like the rich people will like totally back just like new methods of like putting down protests enforcing order like politicians will run law and order capitalists will fund it and, and, and like that's actually a fairly relevant message and like we are seeing like like these dollar things exist in real life like there are these new and and uh like increasingly uh problematic like riot control mechanisms that are going on right and i, and I don't want to jump too far ahead but i my issue with that representation is that they don't show like the impact on real people or right. the negative reaction that these things would obviously be receiving i mean they'd, they'd be receiving positive reinforcement from like rich people and fascists and right-wingers and, and centrists, centrists for sure <laughs> but but y you want to see like how are the people on the ground like reacting to this like saying like you, you can't put like can you know they'd just be mad that there was like cameras watching them at all times right let alone cameras that can like think for themselves and call the police on you and shoot a water cannon at you and then shoot you with water cannons or, or arrest you like that's terrifying i mean i also do think that's kind of interesting that like the the defense of like these bots is like oh they run on ai so like they're perfect but then it's like oh but this ai is also ultimately being controlled by like dalek which is like this thing in technology where like oh ai is unbiased but ai is also like programmed by people uh, with biases. learning yeah it's, it's programming by people with biases and it's learning databases that are, are reflective of our own societal biases and so like right. that thing about it like because they really stress they really stress the ai element of it and i, I think that's interesting as well I, I think the metaphor is perfectly functional i just I, I take issue with the fact that we're not seeing it like through character eyes you know we're not seeing that enfold in the plot the characters the main characters are very disconnected from that metaphor and their interaction with it is not metaphorical in any way i agree to some extent but not not to get too far ahead but later i want to discuss how i think ryan's character arc in this episode does pretty strongly tie back to the political situation okay sure yeah that makes sense let's let's continue right so the doctor comes back then with uh or, or do they get arrested first i forget which happens <laughs> no they the, the next thing that happens is the break uh, is, is the breakout isn't it yeah jack uh harkness shows up in prison and breaks the doctor out through a series of somewhat convoluted if also somehow very straightforward tactics <laughs> to just like leave right he just pulls out a device and says this is the breakout of jail device. Or, device and then they jump in a big hamster ball and start running through walls and then he's like also i had a vortex manipulator <laughs> up my ass for 20 years yeah. uh which is funny to me because it's very reminiscent of uh that scene in uh in in pulp fiction with uh with chris walken i i have one question um do you guys think that jack harkness has more chemistry with uh this doctor or with uh, David Tennant. Uh, with with ten for sure, and then yeah. I I think he even had better chemistry with nine. That's true. Than, than with than with thirteen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's hard for me to answer that question just because like so Jack Harkness and like John John Barrowman is that his name Bowman Barrowman yeah 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 like he just has so much natural charisma and he's like a very like big personality that it's like it's not even the chemistry with people he's just so big but I do think that thinking back on it like reason why ten in specific has good chemistry with him is because ten is also like a very big actor like he has a huge personality he hams up like scenes as well so I. I I think like part of the problem with my take on like the 13 and Barrowman chemistry especially in the beginning is that the doctor just being rescued like they're not they have no autonomy once again like they're just kind of like and Jack's the, like the big dashing hero who's coming to like save the doctor and like he's the one that's doing all the work and the doctor just kind of like what's going what is going oh, on oh thank you yeah <laughs> 
it, and like I think it can be like somewhat explained by the fact that the doctor's having like a personal identity crisis. But we've seen the doctor that's true get beaten down so many times, and like they always are get back up. Like heaven sent, holy shit! Right, this doctor would have broken down after the like the first couple of days. Like uh, so, I, I think there's some unfortunate stuff going on with there with the the gender dynamics. Unfortunately, <laughs> it also just doesn't feel like a real follow through no. on uh, on on the the prison subplot like no. okay you know she was in there for 20 years she's been in a prison for a billion years she's been in a prison you know for probably other lengths of time right this is just like she could do 20 years you know standing on her head right in her sleeve the, the only believable thing is just that it's such a shock this timeless child thing that it fundamentally like broke her on like a level that no other thing in the show so far has broken her right but we've seen her go through a ton of like ridiculous shit yeah yeah so i, I don't know yeah. it, it, it's fine yeah she so she said she says later like oh I, I i was spending those 20 years just thinking about who i really am yeah right so and came like an to identity zero thing. answers yeah yeah that's also true in 20 yeah. years i mean i've been thinking more about like the timeless child twist itself and i keep coming back to like it's even more pointless than i thought it was because like the whole thing that we've established with regeneration is like you don't keep the same personality you don't keep the same you know biology you don't keep the same face you don't keep the same yeah. the only thing you keep is the name and your memories and so if any of the if you wipe the memory it's like it's a different person you know you might as well be talking about like in a past life i you know i murdered the chancellor yeah. of this country like well okay it's a past life it's not you that's just somebody else you didn't have a chance to learn from it or anything like right. you have no true relation to that person you don't have any responsibility for it it's it's literally not you in any way I I, I mean, at the same time, I, I, I do think that it would be a pretty big identity crisis because, like, yeah, the, the obviously the identity crisis that happens with each incarnation is, like, a thing that happens and it, it resolved in, like, each episode or, like, the beginning of each Doctor's tenure, right? But, but like, also, that's something that's, like, built into your framework of, like, who you are if you're a Time Lord person. Like, you're, you're born with the idea of regeneration. You get, get kind of get used to it culturally. Now, suddenly, you're like, oh, but actually, I'm not even a Time Lord. I'm from some other dimension. I don't know what I am. Like, right. I mean, like, that's the real yeah. twist. Yeah. Like, it has nothing to do with having previous lives. It's just, like, oh, right. I'm not from no. Galaxy. So, I mean, like, that would be the real Right, thing. and I think that's mostly what she's struggling with. It's, it's, she's kind of vague about the whole thing, but we'll, 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 get to, we'll get to that, I think, a little bit later. Yeah. Um, uh, so, after the Doctor breaks out and is back on the TARDIS, um, we, we cut back to the, the fam who are trying to just, like, approach Jack Robertson because they saw a video of him with the, the Dalek, and they're like, you have a Dalek! And he's like, what's a Dalek? <laughs> you know, a Dalek! What? what? And then a bunch of security guys come out and they're like, you're under arrest yeah it's like why were you not with him like why were you like hiding nearby right talk to him for this long if they were trying to kill him like they would have been done and out of there long before now yeah i yeah it's it's just a little sloppy but it's a whatever I, it's I yeah it's fine it's a fun interaction i mean it's great when when he's like oh god you guys again <laughs> you know it's like it's like a villain but then they they, they go back and recoup at, at the base which i guess is ryan and graham house and and then suddenly the doctor's there and it's like i i arrived back just when i left right no no <laughs> you were you're 10, 10 months, months late and then ryan says 
well, it's done now, so... Yeah. And that kind of sums up my feelings about the conflict. I, I mean, I think in part, like, yeah, because, uh, like, David, we talked about this over text very briefly, but you said something along the lines of, like, if, if you know, Yaz has uh, abandonment issues after 10 months, like, that's, like, whatever. But it's, 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 it's like, that, not that believable, but it's, I think it's not just, like, the abandonment issues, like, the fact that, like, their life and, like, the quality of life they're living and the type of life they're living is, like, directly become so dependent on the doctor that, like, if you take that away and they have to realize, like, I am so dependent on this one person who is, like, not exactly very consistent and like jack harkness and have that conversation with yaz where it's like you may or may not get to choose when your time with the doctor's up like the doctor does sometimes just leave people like and I, so i think it's right about, or you could die or you could die <laughs> right but I, die. I think it's it's that kind of realization of like oh shit this isn't just like all good times like this will eventually end and like i don't necessarily have a say in one of that right it just it just seems odd that she can't she can't cope with that like when she's only been traveling with the doctor for like a year and then oh, like two years it's just back home it's like well yeah you were off on holiday now it's time to get back to the real world uh i don't know it's tough enough yeah but i think i, I think if you're traveling with the doctor you might believe that your the holiday can go on forever and and like even if it's not something that logically makes sense it's like i i totally buy that that's like would be a and i mean i think that's pretty consistent with what we've seen from previous companions all the way back to the beginning of new hill you know it's like traveling the tardis is the coolest best thing in the world and if you can't do it you're really sad i i just i just i just think it's kind of weak because it it you know it's not like a consequence of the doctor like screwing up or something it's just like she just pressed a button and showed up 10 months late yeah yeah i i i agree that like like they're they be they being mad at the doctor because like of the mess up is like somewhat silly, but I think it's more so that they're just mad at the situation that they're realizing like the nature of their dynamic is not as equal. Secure. Yeah, and as secure. Um. So the next thing that we do is we're all back together again. So we got to just go after the Daleks, and of course the the doctor has a great line, which is it looks like a Dalek, but it can't be a Dalek unless it is a Dalek, which is a very doctory kind of line yeah, yeah. that I really enjoyed. Um. So they go to Osaka because they've detected some kind of energy reading that is Dalek. It's like every Chibnall episode. You just detect an energy reading and then you go somewhere. Also, just as a quick Chris Chibnall ding alert. There is so much just, like, the villains explaining their evil plots in this, like, directly to the people with no reason to do so. Yeah, there's a lot of exposition. (laughs) Like, the doctor's just like, why are you doing this? And they're like, oh, well, I'm doing it for these reasons. Do you understand? (laughs) And it's like, you didn't need to explain this to her. You could have just shot her. I I think there is, like, a throwaway line that kind of lampshades it, where it's, like, Ryan and Graham are just like, yeah, when we confront people, they just don't tell us our plans. We need the doctor. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. There is that line. Um, Also, the weirdness of like this whole conflict of this episode is that it it all stems from this one weird, like almost throwaway scene where um, Jack Robertson is talking to Leo Ragazzi and he's just alone in a lab like by himself. Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, I didn't tell anybody I was doing this, but I just cloned like some random cells that I found in in the middle of this uh, this alien robot. Yeah. And then he's like, all right, could you incinerate it, please? I mean, that. (laughs) That would be the smart thing to do with an a- foreign alien substance we know nothing about. Um, <laughs> and then he says, uh, this is why people don't like experts, which is a reference to that famous line, which is like, uh, I forget which politician said it, but it was a British politician who's like, I think people are sick to death of experts uh, with, uh, you know, who all have their opinions. Yeah. I think it's Boris Johnson. Was it Boris? I don't think it was Boris. I thought it was uh, one of his ilk, though. Anyway, so he's he's a metaphor for bad politics and also for capital. Um, 
<laughs> so, yeah, so we now have Dalek clones, and turns out that that's what's being grown in the warehouse in Osaka. But the 3D-printed Dalek drones are being made in London yeah. or something. Yes. So they've split up the group. Yaz went with... Uh, Jack. <laughs> went with Jack. They have some nice conversations. Yeah. It's not a bad dynamic, the two of them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. No, it's not bad at all. They talk about, you know, what it's like to be left by the doctor, because yeah. Jack has waited thousands of years or hundreds at least for for the doctor to show up yeah. uh whereas yes it's like uh 10 months <laughs> <laughs> but um but the point is you know jack has some fun lines he pulls out his squareness gun yeah. and expects he has to be super impressed and then he is like you need a lot of praise don't you <laughs> and he's like do i <laughs> so do you guys think they are uh, building up a Dr. Yaz romance? Because the yes! Captain Jack thing was also just like very much, it wasn't just like about being abandoned. It was about like, he's like, you particularly seem very upset about this. I also was particularly upset about this because I also have like a somewhat like Crush. vaguely, rom- yeah, like vaguely romantic sexual interest in this person. And like, it sucks when they reject you. Yeah, it's not nice. Yeah. Like that's kind of the, the <laughs> subtext of the conversation to me. I think so. Well, I, I, I don't, want to be the person who you know doesn't recognize subtext but i'm usually blind to it i mean my shipper heart my shipper heart was pounding a little uh, thinking oh this is leading to some lesbian shenanigans remember when we had a whole conversation last season about like oh they're doing something with yaz and ryan for sure they definitely are but then they didn't and then they weren't i think they're queer baiting the shit out of everyone i don't think they'll actually follow through but i think they're gonna commit to the queer baiting and we'll Say. I think that basically they're going to continue to avoid any direct conversations about love, romance, sexuality pertaining to the doctor because they're afraid of well, well, accidentally objectifying her or no. you know treating her differently than they would a male doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah but the, well, but no, I, I think, I think, I think, I, I could see them leaning into it a bit more, especially because like with Doctor Who, it's not like you ever actually have to confirm the shipping. I mean, like yeah. the Doctor Clara stuff has a bunch of evidence, like that you could ship it, but like it's. Never explicitly stated i mean mm, well lots of people ship it david lots of regardless people ship of it. your feelings on i it. know it just but but I, it's not canon though come on no i mean it's, it's not just that i mean lots like the subtext is largely there yeah. i mean like a, a lot of people involved with the production including moffat and capaldi and jenna coleman have said that it could be like very well intended to be interpreted somewhat romantically it's not necessarily but that's the thing like, you don't have to cross the line because you can get the same thing in doctor who like the point is these people have a special kind of interesting bond, bond uh, and so like whether it's really romantic or sexual it's like what does that even mean at a certain extent like, it's certainly intimate sure. yes it's it's intimate i agree with that but whereas i think russell really liked to portray the doctor as sexy and as a flirt and moffat also enjoyed having people flirt with the doctor yeah um this this doctor is they're a little more you know they're 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 hesitant to to portray her in any kind of flirting situation they're hesitant to do flirting but i think from from my experience with my with the lesbian community they're just gonna be like they're two oblivious lesbians hooray like that's that's just right. what's happening no i i fully support that interpretation i'm just saying i wonder if chibnall has the balls you know to actually do anything who knows i think they're i honestly think we're more likely to get a lesbian doctor before we're gonna get like a male gay doctor yeah yeah and i i definitely think that's true i i uh yeah i i i, th- I could see them doing the yes thing I mean, especially because you don't have to actually commit to it you can just like kind of play it up and it's like right. yeah they have a very intimate bond and it's very special and it's like they they have 
like here's I guess what I'm saying like the Doctor and Clara have romance scenes yes. even if they are not in a like regardless of whether they are romantic they have romance scenes which is what shippers really want right so Yaz and the Doctor can easily have romance scenes totally I agree <laughs> oh, um, so basically the the evil Theresa May politician stand-in is kind of like hey uh, let's build these faster and release them to the public <laughs> and then like you see pick people taking like selfies with them like oh lol, look at this new cute like police brutality vehicle hooray and everyone's loving it but then of course they the the actual Daleks get teleported inside them and they all go crazy and start murdering people and they murder the the prime minister lady and we get some great Dalek shit you know just exterminate all over the place some fun lines some fun visuals well I mean we we skipped like a major like character beat that I I kind of want to go back to because sorry it's it's you know yeah and and uh, Yaz and Jack have have broken into this Dalek cloning facility, yeah. which I guess you can just do. Like no one's going to like look at a work order to build a you know alien cloning facility and go hmm, what what am I what do you want me to build? <laughs> um, they're just gonna do it because it says it on the work order. Um, and the Dalek had connected to the hive mind internet whatever yep. and uh, took control of the, the 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 neural net the ordering system. So they go in there and they find you know what was his name Leo uh, he's taken over by this this Dalek that he was supposed to have incinerated but he, he messed up <laughs> and it face hugged him and so they're there and they're being attacked by all of these Daleks who are waking up and like jumping out of their cages and they look pretty good you know kind of CGI like jumping animation uh, but at the same time it's like the Doctor and Graham and Ryan are doing this like other interrogation of Jack Robertson going like you made a Dalek you stupid idiot you made a Dalek and He's like, I don't know what that means. Just show me. And so then they get in the TARDIS and he's like, what is this? Are we in a TARDIS? Bigger on the inside, whatever. And then they 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 start to fly to Osaka and it takes them like four minutes and there's literally a computer comes on and says like, it's four minutes to Osaka. And I don't think that that's like continuity breaking. I've just never seen it take time for them to get somewhere. They have. Have you ever seen that in New Who? No, they've pretty much been able to, unless they're like physically flying the TARDIS like through a city or something. Right. Like, right. usually instantaneous. But right. I, I mean, they're going somewhere that's in the same time zone on the same planet, and it takes them four minutes. So I don't think that that breaks continuity. But what it does mean is that now, canonically, every time that they teleported in a previous episode, when it was like a really big action scene, like, come on, Clara, we're going. We're going there right now. And then it teleports in there right there. There was actually like a four minute, <laughs> just like dead silence where they're just like, hmm, no any jokes? The, the doctor just always overhypes himself. He's like, come on, we got to do this. We got this right now. Oh, okay, well, I guess we we don't have to do it right now. We got like four minutes left. Want so. some popcorn? Yeah. I can make some popcorn real fast. <laughs> Two minutes. We have two minutes to eat. So that's really funny to me. But uh, during that that little lull, that's when uh, the doctor gets her scene with with Ryan. Yes. Where he's, she she's like, "You look really great in a hat." And he's like, "You abandoned me." And she's like, "Yeah, sorry about that." And he's like, "Actually, it's kind of fine. I like my friends a lot more." <laughs> <laughs> but but really, it's the point of that scene is that Ryan like grills the doctor yeah. about her emotional state, right? Yeah. So it, yeah. It's also just like about like the fact that it's like, hey, this is uh, I I want you to open up uh, to some extent because you you always keep us in the dark and I don't really like that dynamic. Like let's let's be pals. Let's be and like I I, I think like the doctor being like at the end of the conversation being like thank you for being my friend is actually 
kind of a good beat because it's just like yeah, this yeah. Is someone, they are actually being vulnerable and opening up and again like I think that's not a bad story to tell I think it's a little bit potentially problematic that it's like happening so much more under a female doctor like under Jodie like she is like mm. constantly like, like there, there's more of a sense of like especially in this episode like the doctor is so broken and like they need to be like reassured by the companions and saved by Jack and so like it's, but that's so a thing that happens it's just a different kind of angst than than 10 and 11 did it's still angst it's just yeah. a different kind of angst yeah I, yeah I, I, yeah I guess that's I guess that's fair I, it's more so with the it's more so with the Jack thing like just like that rescue scene kind of left a bad taste in my mouth because just like so undoctory but it's like whatever I, I think it's fine to also have like the doctor be tested in like a like losing confidence in themselves kind of way yeah. right. but I don't know but yeah I, I thought it was a decent um, I mean the doctor definitely gets saved from other prisons back in 11 yeah. and 10 and 9 but the doctor but the doctor has more like when the doctor is saved in like the Pandora because usually like or like in the other ones like the doctor is setting a motion and plan and they're constantly like planning on something to get out right but there are other scenes where that doesn't happen and he just gets saved I mean I don't I don't think it's like that big a deal that she got saved by that I just thought that but 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 it's just like 20 years of like the doctor not doing anything and then I just thought like yeah 20 years she's not doing anything that's boring it's not like that it's like sexist to not write her escaping herself no it, but, like, it's not it's not it's just kind of dull it's not that it's inherently sexist it's just I think there's a bigger problem of like things happening around this doctor and like this doctor like being, having other people do things for her and I think that there's yeah. having less agency yeah yes. less agency uh less and, and like part of it is just like something that probably is like good for the show like yeah the, the show shouldn't just be hyper confidence born maybe the doctor shouldn't be like this all powerful hero like there should be more of a equal yeah but role. I like hyper confidence porn yeah <laughs> That's why people like the doctor. Yeah, that's why people like the doctor. <laughs> that's why they did, for sure. Uh, yeah, so I'm just saying, like, it's something that they're doing that's different with this doctor. It's not inherently bad. I think they clearly haven't figured out exactly how to do the doctor in this way, but I think it's also, like, kind of a weird dynamic because it's like they are taking away so much autonomy yeah. from the character at the same time that they've, uh, trying the first female take. And I, I just think that could potentially be yeah. not great. I, I, I hear you. Um, but okay, so now we've finally reunited everybody. The doctor shows up with. Yaz and like saves Yaz and Jack from these Daleks that are attacking and then Leo comes out and he's like alright let me explain my whole evil plan right now to you for no reason for no reason <laughs> yeah <laughs> which happens in many episodes of Doctor Who but it just feels like it's every episode of the Chibnall era yeah uh, so it just gets a little repetitive um <laughs> but uh there's a great line where the the you know I think it's Jack Robertson says like you must be joking and then the the Dalek says Daleks do not joke <laughs> and then um and then one of the Daleks says uh, you know uh, I don't have to kill this guy or, 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 sorry let me take it again so then like almost immediately after saying Daleks do not joke uh, the the doctor says to one of the Daleks you don't have to kill Leo you can keep him alive there's no reason to kill him and then the Daleks like. Like, yes, I don't. Correct. I don't have to kill him. And yet, I will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's like clearly a joke. I don't know. <laughs> Little fun inconsistency. And then he kills him. It's ironic, but like... I, it's, I think that's a joke, you know? That's that's Dalek's sense of humor. It's like, <laughs> I don't have to kill him, and yet here I will. <laughs> yeah. It's just like a Dalek talking to another Dalek. like, so I could have not killed him, but then I killed him. But <laughs> <laughs> then I did. And the Dalek's going like, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> Dalek humor. <laughs> Um, so once again, we have UV radiation uh, rejuvenating all of the Daleks, and then they teleport into their little robot suits. Yep. And so then we get to finally the scene with the dr 
drone Daleks actually having lasers built in. And again, I'm just thinking like, okay, so you put on the work order that these these supposedly non-lethal drones have deadly laser beams in their arms. And it's like, okay, I mean, sure. I, I guess like if I was so, part of the engineering team and I had to buy components for a laser gun, like I guess I would just be like, well, maybe it's like a harmless laser. <laughs> why they keep a uh, production segmented so no one asks questions like that <laughs> right exactly it's it's the 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 fordism that that really the isolationism of capitalism keeps people from right. asking questions and the 3d printing which is you know it, it takes away so many steps in the process right so so now the daleks are going crazy yeah um and the only way to stop them the doctor figures is to call in the other daleks who are the pure daleks oh yeah and the get rid of the uh, infestation of these uh, gross human Dalek hybrids. D- disgusting. Yeah, and this happens almost like once per Dalek episode. Right. Like it happens in Evolution of the Daleks where you have these like half half Time Lord, half Dalek things that they try to kill. And then it happens again in, uh, you know, Victory of the Daleks, which is like where a lot of the comparisons come in that you have these like Daleks that are lost in time and the systems no longer recognize them as Daleks. So they have to pretend to be human built drones in order to rejuvenate themselves. This is like more or less the same thing. And and Victory of the Daleks, like I said, is my favorite Dalek episode, which I know no one likes, but (laughs) I really like the idea of them pretending to be nice. We don't have a lot of that in this episode of them like pretending to be drones basically as soon as they're activated they're out there killing people which is i think a little weaker but it's it's fine i think it's just like the the evil daleks like the new the old daleks come back and invade and they start killing the uh, like fake Daleks because they're impure or whatever. But there, there's a there's a really interesting thing, right? Which is like, basically, if you take the metaphor out, right? If you go, go through the metaphor. So like, first, it's like these these, these contemporary uh, politicians and capitalists are teaming up to make like these more like these riot control things, right? And like, they're not violent. Like, they're not supposed to kill people. But then like, okay, it turns out like they, they're becoming more violent. Like the first wave of mass pulls off and like you see that there actually are Daleks or whatever. And like the state gets overthrown. Like the, the prime minister gets killed. And the capitalists double down and team up with like even worse Nazis again because they're like okay well that's how i still stay on top like we can our our needs are not necessarily inherently antagonistic i'm willing to be uh somewhat subservient to you to like this new dalek regime right like the, in order to survive which is like which is how this guy uh tries to sort of be like oh i'll be your ambassador to the human race and teach you how to take over to the planet you know thinking that that will work yeah but, but it's just like the the like in like nazi germany and stuff there was like and, and like in uh franco spain and sort of like the, the those moments where it was like uh, like the Nazis or the right wings were coming to power there was a lot of like capitalist sentiment that like oh we can kind of work we'll incorporate some of this stuff into it and like still keep power but like eventually like the fascists you have to like take over everything right like I, I don't know I'm not explaining it very well but it, it, there, I, I thought that like the, the fact that like the government gets fucked over like they get overthrown like because yeah these democratic institutions are not inherently anti- uh, compatible with like real fascist ideology uh, but then the capitalists are still like well we're not totally antagonistic we can work together and I'll be a little bit more subservient to you, but like, right. it's just who is who is easiest to work yeah, with—the yeah. person who has this moral qualm with killing people, or the people who yeah, yeah. 
yeah, yeah. you know, are totally fine with you making a profit off of their takeover of the world. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and so, yeah, you go, you go where the, you go where the action is. Uh, I, I think that works. I'm just saying I would have liked to see, because I like Victory of the Daleks, I would have liked to see more of the Daleks, like, trying to pretend to be subservient to the needs of humans and trying to, like, you know, put the mask on. And then it's more dramatic when the mask comes off, I, I would think. But I don't think that's what it was about. No, 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 because here's, here's the difference, right? In Victory of the Daleks, the... Winston Churchill is completely oblivious of the true sinister nature of the Dalek whereas like yeah. this one it's inherently a sinister thing that they're trying to do from the beginning right. and once upon realizing the true nature of it they double down on it they, they're like okay well they don't care I don't think they double down but I agree I don't I don't think I agree with anything that you just said in, in Victory of the Daleks Winston Churchill is being told repeatedly by the doctor that these things are evil and he's just going look I would side with the devil if it meant beating the Nazis and then when when Jack Robertson is doing it he keeps going what I don't know what a Dalek is explain it to me and then once he figures it out he's like oh my god they were aliens I never would have done this if I knew they were evil aliens trying to take over the world but now that they're here I guess I don't really have a choice I'm, my choices are to either die with the doctor or side with the winning team so that's like a totally different conflict but that's fine David I think like what you're yearning for is you know like th this is not about the Daleks having like a a that much agency and that much of an evil plot it's more that like it, it's more about human hubris than like the Daleks being tricky and clever you know and thinking right but I think I think that that like it kind of doesn't quite work because the hubris was just in cloning those cells if they hadn't cloned those cells then the Daleks wouldn't have taken back over their these drones and I'm, I'm sure that like it would be bad to have these unmanned drones anyway but th that's they don't really show that aspect of it it's just the idea that they're cloning alien beings that then hack the system in order to make it more fascist which again i i agree works metaphorically but it's not i i think that it would be more engaging to see the the you know their them drop their you know fake non-lethal weapons and switch to lethal weapons if we saw what the non-lethals were doing first which we just don't get much of a chance to see just a minor criticism i didn't expect this to be a whole thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah but but i mean i i do think it's fundamentally different in the setup of like the Daleks are being used in the first one one versus the Daleks that are actually beneath it behind it right like they're trying to actually trick humans but two they're being used to fight Nazis as opposed to being used to fight their own citizens and, right it's a different story but th that's not the point I'm making Victor do you understand the point I'm making the point I'm making is we don't get to see the non-lethal Daleks before they get taken over by the lethal Daleks so we don't see the, the difference I mean we just see we just see that one scene that I don't think there needs to be that much difference yeah. though I'm saying that there's it's basically saying there's not much difference it's 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 either way it is basically state controlled violence yeah, yeah. towards its citizens all right i just i think that it would be more engaging if we had more of a contrast as opposed to just jumping right into because we know the daleks are coming so we just jump right into the daleks killing people which just you know it kind of means that like the plot sort of jumps from zero to a hundred in like two seconds right because i think the the use of daleks as like police state tools is just supposed to be like, oh, Doctor Who's saying a cab. Like, look, we did it. We're we're not sexist. I, like, no, no. Right, which is why I'm saying I think it works metaphorically, but I don't think that they build it up enough in the actual plot. It's like the metaphor works 
works. The plot is, it's more like you just have to kind of ignore the plot happening in order to get to the metaphor. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think some of the the things are tr- definitely contrived, and like, yeah, the doll explains his plot and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I mean, fundamentally, what I like about this episode primarily is is the metaphor that I'm trying to. Uh... Right. Yeah. No, I get that. Yeah. Um, for sure. So we have the Donald Trump making a deal with the Daleks <laughs> and going on the Dalek ship and saying like, "Hey, look, I can help you find the Doctor." So then the Doctor's like, "Oh no, they're gonna come find me if I don't do something quick because we've got the you know we we've blown up all of the drone Daleks with these space Daleks that I contacted, but now we have all these space Daleks. It's it's very much a you know old lady who swallowed a fly right. situation uh, where you've just created a bigger problem. But then of course we have the famous Doctor Solution, which she always uses, which is just blow them up <laughs> with yeah. bombs. She she tricks them into the bonus TARDIS <laughs> she still had from the Timeless Child, uh, blows them all up there. But before she does that, there is a lot of like useless running around that some of the companions did in the Dalek spaceship for kind of no reason. No, that wasn't useless. They were planting bombs just like they did for the Cybermen <laughs> and just like they did for, um, oh man, for for Ranskor of Kolos, I think, had bombs. Who even knows? There's bombs everywhere. It's bombs all the way down. She loves a bomb. She does love a bomb. So I liked that they kept kept consistent with her character, that she, the reason that she wanted the, the other Daleks, because they were easier to beat because they have a big spaceship you can plant bombs on and they do that and it works but they save jack robertson anyway uh and then yeah the the whole scene where they where she like has the fake tardis and tricks them all into it and she's like hey guys and then they all rush in like not even one hangs back to like you know you know see what's going on what the deal is or to defend you know the mothership or something literally they just all rush in and then she's like psych i was on a different tardis yeah (laughs) So as far as methods to beat the Daleks, I think this is maybe the dumbest of all of them. I don't know. It worked. Whatever. I thought it was fine. They, especially because they do set up that she has a bag of yeah. TARDIS. It's like, whatever. I think it's fine. But, it's a little, but it, it doesn't make any sense why they would all fly on there and then not be able to fly out. And if she could do that she and like collapse the, the TARDIS. Door, like... Yeah, she just closed David, the door. David, she closed the door. And Daleks don't have hands. They can't open doors. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, you idiot. <laughs> Forgetting the first thing about Daleks. <laughs> that may be true, but then why are Daleks a threat? I just think Daleks, like, they're supposed to be a threat, in my opinion, my canon, is that they're a threat because they're good strategists, they're smart, they're smart like the Doctor is smart, you know? But in here, they're just really dumb. Yeah, but the Doctor's smarter, because she knows how to close doors. (laughs) I mean, the Doctor is always going to be slightly smarter, but, I mean, my favorite episode is Victory of the Daleks, because that's the one where they actually do outsmart her, they accomplish all of their goals, they just fail at destroying the Earth, which is, you know, neat. Well, Well, yeah. Yeah, I also think that that's why Dalek stories tend to work better when you have a very limited number of Daleks. Because like a few Daleks yes. can be smart. An army of Daleks need to be dumb in order to be able to defeat them. Like, yeah. right? Well, not necessarily. I think you can do things that are clever in order to defeat them. You could. Usually, you don't. Usually, when there's a lot of Daleks, either someone eats God and then turns them all into dust. Yeah. Or they flick a switch and then they all get sucked into a void. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or you literally, as you just beat them yeah. by being the best typist in Chiswick, and you type <laughs> on the Dalek computer that they should all blow up all i'm saying is like this one at least felt like 
more built up and that they introduced this thing from the previous episode it's like the destruction of a, a TARDIS is like kind of a creative thing we haven't seen before like at least it's it's not literally they just have like a switch that they blow up it's a somewhat creative ah it's the Dalek self-destruct switch nope yeah. it's the self-destruct TARDIS I, I really disliked this this ending to the Dalek I don't know I didn't hate it I thought it was fine yeah I didn't think it was brilliant I just thought it was decent I thought you know like it does it also doesn't have any like metaphorical or thematic significance no, no. it doesn't it doesn't. Nor does any interaction between the Doctor and the Daleks. There's never a point where, you know, she says to them, like, you have to, you know, you have to leave because, you know, you're not, or, I don't know. <laughs> so something to do with that people should be allowed to protest, you know, in their own way and that you're only provoking them to be more retaliatory towards you or something. No, exactly, because the plot has nothing to do with the political message that is, like, <laughs> being made here. They're pretty disconnected. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's my point and I, I I miss I miss the Russell era where those things would have been yeah. really heavily intertwined right. and that's something that I'm missing I, I think so I agree I agree that like the doc the, the, the doctor and companion plot pretty much has almost nothing to do with like the the greater political plot that's going on that that yeah. really is really centered around uh the Trump guy um and then like the doctor stuff is pretty isolated but I do think there is somewhat of a through line in the conclusion to Ryan's character arc yes are, are we are we up to that point yeah yet? I think okay yeah. we're basically there they, they save the day right they just feed the Daleks and then like th there's this rich guy who is like been manipulate who like created this whole problem been manipulating society to create more Daleks and stuff like that like clearly a bad guy and he just gets away scot-free and so like yeah and takes all the credit for saving the day yeah yeah and, and is now like actually way more politically popular because everyone thinks he saved the day and like the doctor doesn't do anything and like maybe there's like legitimate reasons because like the doctor is like a non-interventionist and they're just like a traveler or whatever but like I think for Ryan what he's seeing is like look the world's going to shit and like the only way it's going to get better is if I personally as like an average person actually get involved in some way and so i think that is a good conclusion to the political metaphor which is like look the powers the structures that be are only going to get more authoritarian and they will support these fascist things to put you down if you're a problem the only way we can actually get out of this is if average people come together and fight back against it i i totally agree with you and i think that is the general message i think it is undermined by the fact that instead of getting involved in like political organizing or anything yeah, like yeah, that yeah i agree i agree ryan and graham at the end are just like like now we're the Earth Scooby Gang. Yeah, now we, we get gotta that go around adventures. and solve yeah. alien mysteries. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's I, I like, agree. wait, what? <laughs> And more importantly, he's going to finally learn how to ride that goddamn bike from... He's going to learn. ...from the woman who fell to yeah, Earth. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and then they look out into the sun... And he falls one last and time. And who's there? It's his, ma his grandma. <laughs> uh, the sun guy, Mars. <laughs> So I, just, I do think that there is some weird stuff with the Ryan ending, which, you know, of course, there's always going to be weirdness when companions leave because they can leave very suddenly. Yeah. And it could be contract disputes or just them wanting to move on to other projects. But in this case, like Ryan is piecing out and he's saying, like, my mates need me, by which I think you're right. He means like the world needs me, which right. is a callback to Orphan 55, where he or, or no, it wasn't Orphan 55. It was uh, the episode where the, with the dreams. Yeah, like the dream yeah. guy. I can't remember the name of it. Um, whatever damn it well it was the dream episode and his big nightmare that that was haunting him was that he would return to earth and all of his mates would have been turned into orphan 55 mutant dreg monsters yeah. um so i like that this is a continuation of that that he's afraid not of missing out on exploring space or missing out on his life but of not protecting the people that he actually cares about on earth uh which is is neat well, well you, you know what i think actually i really liked about ryan's performance that because I, I really don't like ryan's performance 
like as a character very much most of the time but i yeah. actually felt he was effective in this one and i think part of it is because i think he always kind of has this apathetic attitude yes. and in this one it felt warranted because like the, to me the most defining ryan moment is like this conversation he's having with uh, graham at the end where they're watching tv and he's like graham's like can you believe that the the billionaire guy got away and he's now going to be president and graham's like yeah i can and it's just like he's done with the bullshit like he, he's he's like for whatever reason the doctor is uncapable of solving these problems like the doctor let this person get away and now they're back at it so it's just like yeah he's done with it like and so like that kind of apathy and like made more sense to me in this one i felt like it worked a lot better right it's apathy but i feel like you know his character arc at least you know as it's been sort of summarized in this his final episode is kind of going from someone who doesn't really have a direction in life to being someone who feels a lot more sure of himself and knows what he kind of wants to do and even if what he wants to do is just be on earth right but it's weird because it's still very vague yeah it's 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 still vague but like as someone who who recently went through a similar transition myself Mm. just the idea of having like any direction to walk in is like so much more grounding and really can like be life-changing so i i certainly feel for ryan right i also when uh when when the doctor you know learns that you know ryan's leaving and then they turn to graham like what do you want and he's like you know uh, I was really only just hanging out with you guys to hang out with my grandson Vincent, more. Yeah. I think that's totally legitimate for his character. I don't think he would have a major connection to the Doctor, so I don't know if they were considering keeping him on or yeah. whether he was going to leave first and then they kicked Ryan off for the same reason yeah. or whatever, but I think, you know, I think this works for his character. It's weird to me that he didn't use cancer as an excuse. Ah! Because we had that whole thing with the cancer that was totally dropped. Yeah, it was dropped. But I thought it was weird that it didn't even come up in the conversation. I think it would have been too late at this point. Like, if yeah. they had another season to develop it, maybe. But And then when uh, when Yaz says that she still wants to stay because she still wants to go, yeah. uh, we have what I think is actually my favorite um, <laughs> Jodie Whittaker line so far, which is she's just like, I have two hot, yeah. one happy, one sad. Yeah. And uh, I think that's so cute. Like, cute. If, if this is going to be the doctor of cute and adorable one-liners and not cleverness and like badass throwaway lines like yeah, yeah. i'm all for that and i like this line yeah, no, i thought it was a good line <laughs> it was yeah i don't know it was interesting because i i felt this sense of like relief and uh part of that like, is it's just the fact that oh my god thank goodness we're down to like one companion and the doctor we can like yeah. fucking focus and maybe get some actual character things going yeah yeah um so i think that was part of my relief at at Graham and Ryan leaving. But another part is I was genuinely happy for Ryan and like felt like he had really taken these big steps. But the episode is just playing it like this is really, really sad. Like we should just be so sad. Oh, I don't know. I think it's played as bittersweet. Oh, no. All of the music was like, and and Ryan's like, don't be too happy that I'm leaving, (laughs) you know. And (laughs) she's like, that's when we get her her very nice line. But I'd be like Ryan you should be really happy that you're leaving you seem like really confident in this decision like I don't know own it the way Martha owned it you know okay like Martha owned her exit of the TARDIS like Ryan is just sort of like yeah I think I really need to stay but also like yeah. I don't know it's it's a weird tone but I think that's in character for yeah, him I, think I don't know yeah, I don't think of... that any of this is out of character and that's that's the interesting thing is that he felt so ill-defined for almost two whole seasons yeah and yet I do feel like this is fitting, yeah. and I I, I want to give props to that. But yeah, that, that that's 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 why that, that's why I'm saying that like his character makes more sense because of the episode because like he is so like 
blah and like apathetic but just because he's figuring out his shit and like at the end he's like okay yeah, like yeah and, and like there's a little bit of build up to it in season in the last season that he's like yeah he just like some dude's like i don't know my shit he's just like a normal bloke like yeah. when he he's your average millennial when he meets rosa parks he reacts to it like how a normal person would react to meeting someone like rosa parks and when he you know solves like a, a crisis by throwing a bomb like a basketball He's just, like, being, like, a normal bloke. And so then, yeah, he just wants to go be a normal bloke and hang out with his mates, but he got to have a cool adventure with his grandpa right. and got to be best friends with his grandpa. That's great. Yeah. Um, so they do, like, a little group hug with a head press, you know, where they're all, like, and it's shot from below so you can see all their faces and they're sad, but they're also bittersweet. Um, yeah. And then uh, and then I guess our, our, we have our last scene with just uh, Graham and Ryan trying to ride a bike and saying, we're going to go stop aliens on earth you know we fought spiders a sentient universe cybermen the skithra the morax yeah. the mighty pating <laughs> we can face anything and it's like all right oh and the doctor leaves them with psychic paper so they can go anywhere oh yes that's a great little gift yeah. uh that she has to give them so they it's sort of like a souvenir yeah it's their their handy dandy psychic paper gadget that they get to play with on earth yeah so i i think you know overall definitely one of the better episodes of of this era um but i do i do still think that it has a lot of flaws and i think yeah. I, I i think that the this the the separation between yes victor the metaphorical you know yeah world of the story and the representation for our real world that works yeah but the plot is still it yeah, has a yeah. lot of that Chibnall plotting where things don't really flow naturally into the next thing and we have gaps and there's character beats that don't make sense and the, the solving of the problem feels both too quick and too easy. There's a lot of issues like that for me here. For sure. I, I, I would any agree. final thoughts from you guys? I agree. It's just this this episode is like the first episode in a long time that like I actually like thought about after the credits rolled for like more than like maybe some yeah. of the last season also had it, but I there's there's things to work with both in character and theming and politics like metaphor. Whereas like the other ones just lack that. Yeah. And and I think also just on a pure enjoyability level, this one was like it was fun to yeah. kind of watch. Like I I wasn't like dragging my yeah. hand through my hair like tearing it out going when will this shit be over yeah yeah <laughs> like, like the last new year's special i thought it dragged a lot pacing wise <laughs> but but i but i i definitely i definitely enjoyed it more than uh woman who fell to earth yeah or yeah. ranscore of kolos for example like these are like or spyfall yeah yeah uh, spyfall i think kind of held my attention <laughs> but I, I this one I, I just felt like it was kind of slow in the bits where well i mean first of all i just think like you could have cut out the whole prison thing and it wouldn't have changed yeah, anything probably like it was a totally unnecessary thing just to have a cliffhanger at the end of the last episode but it's kind of fun and then you could have probably cut out the whole thing with calling in the space daleks like that wasn't really necessary to defeat these daleks it was just sort of like a stopgap or something i don't know yeah yeah it's, it's not necessary i don't really understand why we called in the space daleks because it was very much a woman there was an old woman who swallowed a fly swallowed a spider to catch the fly swallowed a bird to catch the spider <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I think to some extent, it's like, yeah, there's a woman who fought a lot of fly, but that, that's kind of like the part of the metaphor is like supposedly like there was a, you know, government and economic system that like swallowed up. Wait, so what does that make? 
Wait, what? So wait, what does that make the space Daleks then? Are they like Jack no, booted no, Antifa so, thugs? No, 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 they're not Jack booted Antifa thugs. <laughs> but I think it is like, it's kind of like the idea that like, look, the, the people who are currently in power, both economically and politically, will make like short-term trade-offs to give like these authoritarians more power because like they also need to press their own things. But the, the fear is that like true fascists, like remove the impurity will like come from that and like really, that'll be the ones that actually are like, like it's, it's like a... I don't know if the metaphor works entirely though. Just yeah, I don't know if it works these... totally, but it's kind of interesting is all I'm saying. It's just, yeah. I think we've stumbled across something with the, the, the Earth Daleks. They're, you know, fascist police officers. And then the Space Daleks, those are jackbooted I, I, Antifa I, no, thugs. That, no, and the trade-off so. by no, siding what? with the jackbooted no, Antifa no. thugs is a bad trade-off because it'll make an even bigger problem. No. One line I thought was uh, perhaps a little insensitive was just like the line where, like, I understand why they're saying it, but it's just where they're like, uh, oh yeah, these Daleks, they're like the SS of Daleks. And then like someone says like, but way more brutal. And it's like, well, <laughs> everyone knows the SS is brutal. You don't need to make it like, I, I don't know. It, it, like, I don't. I thought they said the SAS of Daleks. No, I didn't no. know what that no, stood for, SS. but I guess they said SS. But I, it's just like, yeah, they're even more brutal than that. But it's like maybe somewhat insensitive. Okay. But yeah, eh, the point is they're very brutal. Call in the Gestapo to kill all of the police and then kill all the Gestapo doesn't really make any sense. No, that metaphor completely falls apart. That metaphor, like the doctor stuff, what the doctor contributes to the plot makes no sense with the with the overall. I guess, I think maybe Chibnall was afraid that by not including the original design Daleks, like fans would get mad. Yeah, yeah, that might be part of it. Uh, who knows? But I, I mean, it was a fun plot yeah. point, you know, that, yeah. you know, Jack was like, oh God, don't call in the SS Daleks. It's just, it's just like a weird thing. So that was yeah. fun. I just don't think it worked metaphor. It's like the plot and then the representation of real life. And then those two things are very separate. Um, on the whole, I, I'm excited for next season whenever it, it starts to exist with just the Doctor and Yaz. I'm really hoping... Wrong. For some more... Wrong. Fake news, Hannah. Okay. Not just the Doctor and Yaz. Oh. Immediately after the premiere of this episode, there was a sneak peek at the new companion played by... Drumroll, please... <laughs> John Bishop, a comedian slash game show host, uh, white guy uh, cool. with a Liverpool av- accent. Oh, Liverpool. Yeah. Already. So I'm not excited at all anymore. Never mind. So uh, we we just saw that he is going to show up. We don't know anything about his character or what role he plays or whether he's human or spaceman. I, we don't know. I, I will only accept this companion if they are one of the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I've, I, I tried to watch some of his comedy and it was like that early 2000s comedy that's like comedy that isn't comedy but is just a guy with a voice saying normal things and observations. So uh, we'll, we'll see what kind of role he plays. I don't know. Uh, he could be good. We don't know. No, but yeah, I, I also was hoping for just getting back to be one companion, one doctor, yeah. and I'm a little bit disappointed. Right, but you said last time, like, one or two companions would be fine. Uh, so that's what we're getting. I mean, it too could work. It's been done in the past, but I mean, I think the show I often... really just want Chris to, like, really focus in. Like, let's yeah, yeah. do one, one. Right, but, but he may have been using the many companions as a good distraction for a lack of ability to write one or two companions. So we'll see how this plays out. We may just be revealing... Feeling, we may be peeling off the layers of garbage to reveal just 
even more garbage. <laughs> I, I no, I think I, I have somewhat optimistic for season three because his first or well, Chibnall's third season because his first season is so bad, and then his second season added like some amount of like okay, this can somewhat keep my attention, and now this episode actually adds like genuine character conflicts, and they're not super well folded out, yeah. but like they're there. Like I can. I, like, and some decent yeah. politics. I, yeah, at least Ryan, the doctor, and Yaz have like art or at least like conflicts internally and externally that I can point to. Right. Which is not that common in other Chibnall episodes somehow. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. Uh, so that's a, a great way to start off 2021 with kind of a mediocre episode instead of a dumpster fire. Yeah. Heading in the right direction. <laughs> Better things. Better things, everyone. Better things are ahead. Uh, See you in the next trip round the TARDIS. Yeah, you can tweet your terrible Doctor Who opinions to at TARDIS Tropes. Uh, thank you again, Victor, for being here with us again today. No, thanks for having me. And we'll, we'll see you on the flip side. Catch you later. See ya. At no cost to the taxpayer, David. Oh,